We'll take our text this morning from just one verse found in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. It says here to let us hear the conclusion of the matter. A conclusion is the end of something or the last part. A conclusion is in closing. You might say that a conclusion encapsulates everything that was previously said. The book of Ecclesiastes speaks of many things. It speaks of times and seasons. It speaks of envy, idleness, riches, contentment, patience, providence, wickedness, prosperity. Pretty much covers every aspect of life. But then at the end of it all, it says here, consider the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. If you've ever wondered what God's expectations are of you and us, it's right here. It says, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. You know, fear is often thought of as a negative emotion. We see in Scripture often fear is mentioned. Sometimes fear is forbidden, and other times fear is encouraged. So we see there's two types of fear. You might say you could break fear down into two separate categories. There's the destructive fear, and there's what we could refer to as productive fear. You know, the enemy, fear is really one of the enemy's oldest tactics. He always employs the destructive type of fear. I saw an acronym the other day for fear that I thought was really good. It's false evidence appearing real. Sometimes fear is based on our imaginations. Proverbs says, the wicked flee when no man pursueth. You know, fear, whether it's over something real or something imagined, is still a real emotion. Many of you may recall back in 2004, up to that point, if you were like me, you'd probably never even heard of a tsunami. Yet in 2004, we know that a huge tsunami hit the country of Indonesia and was untold damage, a huge loss of life. Resorts were completely wiped out, and we heard a lot about tsunamis in the following weeks. Well, about that time, my oldest daughter, Diana, she was only about five years of age at the time, and remember one night around that time, she was, was later in the evening, and I heard her calling out to me, and so I went into her room, and she had been uh, laying there trying to go to sleep, and she was frightened. So I, I asked her what the problem was, and she told me she was afraid we might get hit with a tsunami. Well, we were living in central California during that time. I told her we were probably at least 200 miles away from the nearest ocean, and really that area was more like a desert than anything, so the probability of that happening was uh, very minimal. I suppose I could have told her that our chances of being hit by an earthquake were much better. We lived along the San Andreas fault line, but that probably wouldn't have done anything to dispel her fears. 
But we can see sometimes uh, fears imagine. We could call that those what-if fears. Well, you know, that kind of fear can be discouraging. It can be destabilizing. And it can even incapacitate people at times. The Word of God mentions another type of fear that's uh, detrimental. It's the fear of man. Proverbs 29.25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. We can see some biblical examples of where uh, the fear of man became a snare. Remember the account when Moses sent out the 12 spies to spy out the promised land and God had brought them through some amazing things. God had brought them out of Egyptian bondage. The Lord had led them through the Red Sea on dry ground. The Lord had given them this amazing victory over the city of Jericho and the walls just fell down flat. They crossed over the Jordan on dry ground. The Lord had done a lot of things for them, but they seemed to forget And as they went in to spy out that land, uh, it was everything God had promised, a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a strong city, and it was the inheritance God had promised them. Yet we know they brought back an evil report, 10 out of the 12 spies, because they saw the giants in the land. And we read in Numbers 14.9, these were the words of Joshua and Caleb. It says, Rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us, for their defense is departed from them. The Lord is with us. Fear them not. They saw God's promises. They weren't focused on uh, the surroundings of the men around them, but tragically, 10 out of those 12 spies, all they could focus on was Uh, those giants in the land, and, you know, they allow the fear of man to cheat them out of the inheritance. God had promised them. Everyone in that generation, save for Joshua and Caleb, they spent the next 45 years, it said they bleached their bones in the wilderness because they allowed the fear of man to rob them of God's blessings. We read of another account in John chapter 12. Verses 42 through 43 says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of man more than the praise of God. Again, how sad. It said many of those religious rulers believed on Jesus, believed in their hearts that He was the Christ, He was the Son of God, but because they feared uh, losing their position and being put out of the synagogues, and they, they wanted the praise of man rather than the praise of God, they allowed the fear of man to cheat them out of their salvation. Tragically, this fear is so common even today. Even in many uh, churches, uh, in an effort to please men and to try not to be offensive. People have uh, given in to the fear of man. You know, the message of godly sorrow and repentance has been replaced by one of acceptance and tolerance. Holiness and godliness and purity has been uh, replaced by political correctness. And you know, it's been detrimental to the souls of man. So we don't want... To fear man, we want the fear of God to be the thing that would motivate us. But the fear of man, we can see how it could become a snare. 
There's also another kind of fear. We've probably all experienced this type of fear. It's that guilty fear. Now, that can be something positive or negative, depending on how we respond to it. You know, it's been said, conviction is wonderful and awful at the same time. It's not pleasant to be under conviction, but if it leads us to the foot of the cross and it points us to that place of repentance, then it becomes a wonderful thing. But you know, when it's pushed aside or suppressed or ignored, the consequences of that can be detrimental. Isaiah 66, 4 says, I also will choose their delusions and will bring their fears upon them because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear, but they did evil before mine eyes and chose that in which I delighted not. They resist the voice of the Lord. It says that the Lord allowed those fears to overtake them. We think of the example of Felix in the book of Acts as Paul was sharing his testimony with the governor, Felix, there and telling him what the Lord had done and preaching the gospel. It said that Felix... He considered righteousness and temperance in the judgment to come. And as he considered those things, it said he trembled. Oh, he had that guilty fear, but tragically he told Paul to leave and at a more convenient time he would send for him. And we don't read of any indication in Scripture that Felix ever had a chance to uh, find his way to the Lord and that find that place of repentance. So we can see... Uh, This can be a very negative or a positive emotion depending on how we respond to it. Where do these negative or destructive types of fear come from? 2 Timothy tells us the Lord has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So we know it's not the Lord that gives us the spirit of fear. It means it comes from one other place, the enemy. This is one of his tactics. Do you know the Word of God tells us there's one type of fear that will always bring positive results. There's one type of fear that will always, always be productive. That is the fear of the Lord. This is something God commands us to have and encourages us to have. You know, when uh, we're instructed uh, to fear the Lord, Most of the time it's not speaking of dread or terror or drawing away or pulling back from the Lord, but the fear of the Lord means a reverence or an awe, a respect, a desire to please and obey. That kind of fear is a good fear. You know, the fear of the Lord will bring God's blessing in your life. Every time there's some wonderful promises to those that would fear the Lord. Proverbs 14, 26 says, The fear of the Lord is a place of strong confidence and refuge. The 27th verse says that the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Luke 1, 50 says that the mercy of the Lord is on all those that fear Him from generation to generation. Psalm 31, 19 says that the goodness of God is stored up for those who fear Him. You know, the fear of the Lord is our protection and deliverance. Psalm 34, 7 says, and The angel of the Lord encamps around about those that fear Him and delivereth them. Best of all, 
The fear of the Lord leads to repentance and salvation and victorious living. Proverbs 16.6 says, By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. No wonder the Word of God says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, the fear of the Lord acts as a great motivator. We read in Hebrews 11, verse 7, it says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Genesis chapter 6 also tells us that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, divine favor, compassion. He found grace because he feared the Lord. You know, we read about the conditions during Noah's time. Uh, Before the flood, it says that the wickedness of man was great. It says that the imagination and thoughts of man was only evil continually. You know, that verse jumped out at me as I was studying this week. Their imaginations were only evil continually. They had become so debased that they didn't even have the capacity to think anything good. When they weren't performing evil deeds, they were thinking about them. It says that man had corrupted himself upon the earth and it repented the Lord that he'd ever made man. So God decided to destroy the earth. But said Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And when God told Noah what he planned to do, and he told him how he could escape, it says that Noah moved with fear. You know, the fear of the Lord will trump all other fears. It's been said, if you learn the fear of the Lord, you don't need to fear or worry about anything else or anyone else. I suppose Noah, he could have faced the fear of failure. When you think about the sheer magnitude and the size of the task that the Lord was requiring of him, he told him to prepare an ark. You know, we read the dimensions of that ark. Bible tells us it was 450 feet long, 75 feet high, 45 feet wide. It was the equivalent of 522 railroad livestock cars. This was a huge, huge boat. God said, prepare an ark. Noah had no experience in ark building. He didn't have a bunch of experts around or engineers to help him. When he uh, came to a problem, he got his instructions from the Lord. But Noah moved with fear. Not only that, but God told him to prepare for an event. The world had never even seen rain up to that point in time. And earlier in Genesis, it said that God had withheld the rain and that uh, he caused a mist to rise up out of the earth. And that's how the things were watered. So they had never even seen rain. But because Noah feared God and he moved with faith and fear, he prepared an ark. You know, it's been said the ark was built by an amateur in obedience to God. The Titanic was built by professionals in defiance of God. It was that unsinkable ship. It was quoted as saying that God himself could have even uh, sank that ship. Well, we know what happened. But Noah moved with fear. You know, the fear of the Lord overshadowed any other fears Noah may have had. Suppose Noah could have faced the fear of reproach. said he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I certainly don't think he found any grace in the eyes of the people. Again, you consider the type of people uh, that he was living among. They were wicked. Their hearts were evil. They wouldn't have had any regard for Noah or Noah's principles or Noah's stand. They wouldn't have had any regard of the warnings that God kept sending through Noah. 
So we see they, they weren't supportive at all of what Noah was doing. He probably faced ridicule and scorn when they found out what he was building this ark for. But you know, the reproach of God was far more terrifying to Noah than the reproach of man. Noah moved with fear. He was warned of God and he moved with fear. Noah could have faced the fear of financial hardships. You know, no one paid Noah to build that ark. We also know Noah had other jobs. He was a family man. He had family to provide for. He was a preacher of righteousness. But Noah moved with fear. We don't know what it cost Noah to build that ark. Interestingly, I googled what would it cost to build the ark. Somebody's already done that. You've heard of the ark encounter in Kentucky. Well, they gave some figures. So that project cost about $100 million to complete. And they had all the modern technology and all the large earth-moving equipment, and it was built mainly on generous donations of uh, investors and many grants. You know, Noah didn't have any help from man. Noah didn't have any resources uh, to tap into, but Noah moved with fear, and God helped him. You know, building that ark, it may have cost Noah everything he had. All of his energy and resources, even financially, everything could have been tied up in that ark. Someone once said that Noah and his family, they may have entered that ark as paupers. Oh, but when they emerged from that ark, you know, they had inherited the entire earth. They might have entered as the minority, but they emerged as the majority. You know, Noah had no regrets about the efforts he put into building that ark. Well, the gospel will cost us. It may cost us everything here on earth, but I'll tell you, when we get over on the other side in eternity, it'll be worth it all. We won't have any regrets. But like Noah, we want to move with fear. We're warned, as Noah was, we're warned by God of things not seen as yet. We know there's another judgment coming on this old earth. God tells us in His Word, He says, He won't destroy the earth with a flood, and He put the rainbow in the sky as a promise of that covenant. But the next time judgment comes, it says He will destroy the earth by fire. So we know judgment is coming. We've been warned by God. Well, what can we do? Well, we can do what Noah did by faith. We can move with fear. We can find grace in God's eyes. Even today, the Lord is extending grace. And we can prepare for the day of God's judgment. You know, Noah's ark was a type of Christ. The only means of escape for Noah and his family uh, were through that ark. Well, Christ is our only means of escape. When judgment comes, uh, the Bible says that there's no other name under heaven whereby man must be saved. You know, Noah and his family had to be inside of that ark. Well, when judgment comes, we must be found in Christ. That's, he's a, our ark, our, a place of safety and refuge. There was only one door into that ark. There was only one way that Noah and his family could enter that ark. Well, there's only one way that we can be in Christ. We have to enter through the door of repentance. Jesus said, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. But we can enter in. 
It says when Noah and his family were inside that ark, it says that God shut that door. And when judgment fell, all of those outside the ark were destroyed. You know, there's coming a day when that door of mercy and grace, that opportunity to enter into that ark of safety will be shut. But the good news is that door is still open today. That door is still open today. You can still find grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know, if you're willing to move with fear, maybe the Lord is speaking to your heart today. You know, don't delay. We don't know when that last day will be. The Bible says today. Today, if you hear His voice, harden not your heart. Today is the day of salvation. But if you'll move with fear, humble yourself, call on the Lord, the Lord will help you today. The Lord will save you. The Lord will give you that peace and that reassurance down in your heart. You'll find that the Lord will be that place of strong confidence and that refuge. Even in these days, these troubling times, there's so many things that are uncertain, but you can get inside that ark of safety. You can feel the Lord's protection and grace around you. Even today, may God bless you.